Uh, we're in a series called Devoted Finances, and uh, I want to say thank you to those that are sending emails early of what God's doing as they take steps of faith and just a ton of emails. Uh, we could be doing videos all the time of miracles God's doing, and our video people are like, we got Easter, you know, this thing, the Easter we're working on, and so they're trying to keep up with all of it, but God is faithful, isn't he? And how many have been taking a step of faith and giving and you're seeing God do a miracle? Just wave your hand at me. Because he is. He's not a God that lies. Amen. He just does an incredible thing. We're starting a capital campaign after we're done to get rid of debt, to eliminate debt. And I know getting rid of debt is not a sexy thing. And did a preacher just say that on the stage? <laughs> uh, it's, it's not one of those things that you just... You, you, you just love doing, but it's, what's incredible is uh, I really felt like the Lord was saying, I, I really want to cause my bride to look at their money differently, that uh, it really is just a resource and, and to get us to start thinking differently about it. And so um, I, I know God's going to do a miracle. God gave me a word to, to, to those that just say, I'm not doing that. Well, the Lord would say to you, watch and see. Watch him take care of it and see what he does with those who will participate and are part of it. It's going to be an incredible miracle what God's going to do. So let's get started. Here's the question that I have for you uh, in this in devoted finances. Um, it, you have been created to be generous, right? You have been created to be generous. Did you know that? You may say, well, I don't know that I'm acting that way. You may not be acting that way. I think most of us like to think the best of ourselves, and so most of us would say, yeah, I'm a generous person, um, but you were created to be generous. You were born to be selfish, right? Then you, somebody say, well, that explains a lot, right? Um, how, how many want to be known as a generous person? You want people to know you. I don't care what people think about me. Yeah, you do. The people who say, I don't care what people think about me, really care more than everyone else. How many know that's true? They're only say, it's a defense mechanism because people aren't thinking of them the way they want them to think of them. So they then say, I don't care what they think about when they actually do care what they think about you. How many are confused? Read Romans 7. That was just preparing you for Romans chapter 7. Uh, John 12. I'm going to take you to this passage up on the screen. and I got you, get, get used to no TV being there. Uh, but John 12 says this. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But, the one, but one of his disciples, how many know which one we're talking about? All oh, that one. Uh, one of them said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This, is he, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was in, put in it. So Judas was the treasurer of the disciples, right? And, and you could look at Jesus and say, Jesus, what were you thinking to put Judas in charge of 
the, the, the tre- See, you have to understand how God sees money first. He sees it differently than you see it. You think your money, you think your money is what provides for you. God sees it as building material. Good amen there would have been great. <laughs> you think, do you know that God could provide for you and never use a single form of dollars or, or money of any kind? That he could provide for you everything you need and abundance of what you would need without ever touching the money systems of this world. Do you know that? You know why people take the mark? Because they're afraid that, they're afraid that if I can't use money, I won't survive. That's why in the tribulation, they take the mark of the beast. You won't have to worry about that if you're going up in the rapture. But in the tribulation, when they give the mark of the beast, people will be, they, they won't necessarily want to take the mark, of the, but that's the only way they're going to be able to survive. So they take the mark out of fear that they can't survive because their faith is in the money systems, not in, not in Jehovah Jireh. So when you freak out because, because the economy is, where is your faith put? Right? So two questions. Why would Mary give such an extravagant gift? Why would she do this? <laughs> no one told her to do it. She wasn't motivated by someone to do it. She wasn't manipulated by someone. She willingly <coughs> gave this gift out of her own heart. And then second, why did it make Judas so upset? Why does it make people upset <laughs> when other people give gifts? It wasn't his perfume. It wasn't his money. But he's upset with her because she gave. There are really two hearts. One, a heart of generosity and a heart of selfishness. She was only thinking of herself. Really, her generosity revealed his selfishness. It revealed the heart of that. Whenever we talk about generosity, it's an amazing thing how it reveals the selfishness in people around us. Because we, if, if we were born to be selfish, we need to understand that that's our, that was our first and natural response. So selfishness is what we're most familiar with. Generosity is a complete different attitude that really when we come to Christ, there is a gravitational pull that is pulling us to be more, gen- to be more generous. Right? How do we know we're supposed to be generous? Our identity is generous? Because in Genesis, it says we were created in the image of God. In the image of God, we were created. He says it that way for those going forward and those going backwards. <laughs> right? You were all created in the image of God. And how many know God is the most generous being in history? Right? Gave the most extravagant. So if we're going to be like God, then we're going to operate in generous. What's, what's funny is if we ask this question, am I generous? You may answer, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. How many would say, yeah, I tend to find that. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, right? Just shake your head at me if you're saying, yeah, I, I get that, right? And it's because it's a constant battle. Because it's one, we're generous. You're a generous person. That's who you are. <clears throat> it's who God created you to be. You're a generous person. But we're, we don't always act in that identity that God created us for. And sometimes we do this as a defense man. We love to talk about the generosity of the past to cover up the selfishness of the future, present. <laughs> Isn't that true? 
We love to talk about the Chevette we gave away in 1980. <laughs> I'm a generous person. I gave away a car 30 years ago, right? And so, so we keep looking back on what we did, even though right now I'm not generous at all. I don't, I don't really do anything. It, it's because it's a constant battle. We have to understand it's a constant battle, and sometimes I've operated in it, and then there are times we can get away from those things, and, and we need to come back. That's why these messages are so important to generosity in our life. So the enemy of generosity, the enemy of generosity is selfishness. Pretty simple message, right? I want to take care of self. I got to take care of me first, which is a lie of the devil. No one else is going to take care of me, so I got to take care of me first. <coughs> we, we often look at, I can do this much so that I know I'm taken care of and this is what I got left over. I'll give my leftovers to, to do that, but I'm, I'm going to take care of self. Can I tell you, you aren't going to take care of yourself. God's the one who takes care of you. And quite frankly, God doesn't even want your leftovers. God just wants you to give what he told you to give. Right? He just wants you to be obedient with what he said he would, that, that he's asking you to do. Isn't it amazing? And, and this is, I, I was going to mention this at another part of the message, but I think this is a perfect spot. First, you got to handle this. You got to deal with how you see God. The, the first thing you got to do is you got to deal, you got to repent, which means not saying you're sorry. That's not what repent means. Repent means change the way you think or change the direction you're going. You have to change the way that you think about God because God's got to really reveal to you who he's like. Like, there's a part of us that thinks that God, and this goes right back to the original sin, that God is holding out on us, that if God had his way in my finances, he'd take everything. He gave it to you. I mean, think of the logic in some of the way we think. Like, we got this attitude like, God wants it all. It is all his. It's all his. Everything you have, you bring the tithe to him. He says, that's mine. He, that's a test to see if we'll be obedient to what he says. You bring the tithe to him, but the 90%, that's, that's yours to steward. So, yeah, thank you, Zach. That's great. Thank you, Amy, actually. I think it was. Does that make sense? Like, God does not have a problem you ready to say amen? <laughs> God does not have a problem with you having nice stuff. Amen. Right? God's not after your stuff. God gave you it. God's after your heart. And he just wants you to be obedient to what he's telling you to do. God's not trying to keep you from having things that you would love to have or drive. or that'd be, That's not what he's trying to do. But we somehow think that he's always trying to get me to, and that's not the adage, and, and we got to change the way we think about God. I mean, God created the incredible earth for us to enjoy. Did you know, this may shock you, he actually gave you a day to rest. A whole day. It's called, oddly enough, the Sabbath. Did you know that? It's amazing how we don't even take up all the blessings he has for us. You know, uh, how many have children in here, have had children? You'll, you'll relate to this. How many loved screaming kids? <laughs> Out of all the things of raising kids that I do not miss, 
right behind diapers <laughs> is when they would scream, mine, right? Remember when they go, mine, mine, mine. Like they can reach a pitch that will make you just, and you will stop whatever you're doing to go find that, co- that child and do whatever it takes to silence. Like most of the time, you will go into the room and it will be the younger child trying to take something from the older child. How many, I'm describing your playroom right now. And they're like, mine, mine, mine. And it's like the other child is just deaf to it, you know? And mine, mine. And then they're pulling in bed, it's mine. And you come in there and go, give it to them. (laughs) And they're like, but dad. It's really mine. I mean, it's my toy. I don't care. Give it to him. He's got some of my stuff too. Just, just anything to get it to stop. How many parents relate to that? It's like, yeah, there, they, literally, there is a place that every parent comes to where we no longer care about justice. Right? It, we no longer care about it. And, and Judas makes this statement. He says, why, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? He didn't care about the poor. He couldn't get his greedy, grubby little hands on it. That's what he wanted. He wanted it for himself. He wanted to be able to control it. You know, the definition of extravagance is it is the perception of those who have more than, than you. Isn't it funny that we don't think we're wealthy? Because we live in a pond of wealthiness. We are so filthy, filthy, filthy rich. You hear me say that often and you don't believe me. But I'm telling you, we are so filthy. 94% of the world don't even own a car. And, and you got that rust bucket out there and you're complaining about it. You own that. 94% of the world would be glad to have. Do you know in Cuba, in Cuba, Cuba to you Americans, Cuba... <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying it wrong to all those people who keep texting me. It's Cuba pass. No, it's C-U-B-A, not Q. Okay, Cuba. Anyway, uh, they, it's for, for, the, for an old rust bucket of a car, $40,000. Maybe you'll look at your car a little differently today. We are filthy, filthy rich. Isn't it amazing how we'll look at a neighborhood and we'll say, that's such an extravagant neighborhood. And then you get a raise and move into it and you're like, now that other one is extravagant. Like we never want to see our own blessing. I remember a number of years ago uh, when they were raising and wanting to raise taxes on the top 10%. So they went downtown Minneapolis and they asked him, do you think that you should raise taxes on the top 10%? And all these people were saying, yeah, I think they should. I think. And they said, well, how much do you think the bottom of that top 10% makes? He said 400000 500000 a year, a million dollars. They're giving all these numbers. And this was on Kara Levin. And, and then they said, actually, they make 120000 a year. Now do you think we should raise taxes on the rich? They said, no. <laughs> right? Isn't it amazing how those people did not see them as being, themselves as being wealthy? Because, here, listen, there is a spirit in that. Are you, are you listening? The spirit is, from Satan, the evil spirit is, there's, you never have enough. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent deceived Adam and Eve 
who were perfect in every way. They had a perfect atmosphere. We all agree? There, there was no evil. It was perfect. And the serpent deceived Adam and Eve to think that, that what they had wasn't enough, that there was more. And the same spirit operates in our culture today, making us think we don't have enough. There's got to be more. I got more, just a little more, just a little bit more. I had a church leader with me one time in Michigan. I won't say his name because you actually know him. Um, we're driving in a car down the road, and there was a guy who came by in a $150,000 car. I don't remember what it was, but it was, it's a very nice car. He was a very wealthy man. He was very generous in our church in Michigan. And I waved at him as we went by, and uh, he waved back, and he goes, oh, you know that guy? And he goes, I go, yeah. And he goes, man, that's an expensive car. And I said, yeah, that guy is he's pretty wealthy. He's extremely generous. Um, anything I asked, he, 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 you know, I'd meet with him up and say, hey, we need to, and he would just pay for it. And, uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, so generous that he could afford that $150,000 car. He should sell it and give it to the poor. I, I looked at him, and, and maybe a normal Minnesotan would just not say anything. But I'm a German from Wisconsin. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about, right? I couldn't let that go by, and I'm like, what are you talking about, sell his car? If you cared about the poor, you'd sell your car and give it to the poor. You don't care about the poor, right? And, and, I, you know, and, I said, and then I said, you know who came up with that statement was Judas, and he betrayed Jesus. You're not in good company. The next one was, I'm sorry, please forgive me. <laughs> Fortunately, he took the rebuke. But you see, they, that all too often we let that attitude slip by in the church. And it's a demonic spirit. It's a demonic spirit. And we're too afraid we're going to offend people. So we got a lot of people who are too afraid to be offended. They're offended about something. Listen, sometimes the word has got to confront the evil that is trying to work in our life. Isn't that right? As long as we can point to others and say that they're not doing what we think they should be doing, then we don't have to look inside at what we know we should be doing. So here's Judas. Do you think Jesus knew that Judas was a thief? We know that we know Jesus knew who he was because he says, I chose 12 disciples and one of them is a devil. He knew what Judas was. He purposely put the thief in charge of the money box. Why? As a test. Because he believed that Judas could succeed. He didn't set Judas up to fail. He tried to set him up to be redeemed. He said, here's an opportunity to make, you, to make a good decision to pass the test. You know, every time... That offering plate, and we don't pass the offering plate, but every time the offering goes and we know that we should tithe, <coughs> we're, we're, we're just, that same spirit in Judas is operate, trying to operate in us. And you say, well, I would never take money out of the offering plate. But that's what we do when we don't bring God his tithe. You know, I had a, a friend, <laughs> he got saved in our church in Michigan. His name was Rick. And this is a guy who his whole walk was incredible. Like he got baptized in the Holy Spirit in a service while we were worshiping and he starts speaking in tongues and uh, he looked at his girlfriend like, I don't know what's going on. So he came to my office next week. He said, I got to meet with you. I'm demon possessed. 
I said, what? He goes, I'm speaking in this tongue, and it felt good. you got to help me, Pastor, because I could get addicted to that. And, and I said, it, what, what happened? He said, I said, dude, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He goes, that's good? You mean God gives you good things? Like in his mind, he thought everything that came from God was tough, hard, difficult. You wouldn't like it. Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about because he said, that was amazing. He said, so I can be addicted to it? And I'm like, yeah, go right ahead. He, he, this guy, so he, the reason I bring it up is he tells me a story about how he, we were talking about tithing. He was, I was really struggling with tithing, and we used to hand those plates. I remember we'd hand the plate down the, the aisle, and, and so he handed the plate, and he said, I needed to tithe, and my tithe was $30, and I only had a $50 bill. So I, took, I, I came by, and the Lord gave me a sign. There was a 20 in the plate, so I made change, and I, took the, I put my 50 in and took the 20 out and just put it on. <laughs> I'm like, that's good. <laughs> that's good. First time I ever heard a person making change out of the offering, but hey. But he was wanting to be faithful. The extravagance of generosity. God is a generous God. He's an extravagant God. That's why he gave his son to you. Aren't you grateful for that? You know, David gave the equivalent of $21 billion to build the temple. And the widow gave two mites. And Jesus said, that is the greatest gift of anyone has ever given. Why? Because she gave everything. See, because the stuff is just stuff. It's the heart. It was the heart. There was a, a, a couple from Richfield a number of years ago that told me a story about how when they got married, they didn't have anything, and they went to church, and they had bills, and they weren't going to make rent because they had to fix their car, and they had two, do, two $1 bills. And that day, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, Put, put them in the offering. They took their only two $1 bills, all the money they've had. Some of you have never experienced what that's like, where you've been that desperate. Took two $1 bills, put it in the offering. They came to church scared out of their mind, not knowing what was going to happen. Love did not help them in that moment. Our love, we're going to just make it because we love each other, right? In that moment, their love for each other did not help pay the bills. How many know what I'm talking about, Right? How many know what I'm talking about, right? It's good you're in love, but you also need to be able to afford things too. Well, they put them in, and God provided for them, and they left with hope. Because God, you're our provider. We're going to give you everything. They gave everything. Do you know this church? And uh, Clyde Thompson, somewhere, there he is, right over there, is on the board, I believe. And they had like $500, and when this was Christian life, they had $500, and they had more bills than they had money. And they, uh, Jerry Strangquist was the pastor. He's the one that told me this story. Said, we just decided as a board, someone on the board said, how about we just give it all away? They couldn't even afford the bills they had. So they, they made the, the great decision just to give it all away. So they gave it away, and then God turned around and blessed every part of it. And from that point on, it started to take off. Why? Because they were faithful to trust God. Their heart said, we don't trust the money. We trust the provider the source for all of this in our life. And isn't it funny that a human nature will tell us to clench our fist around $2 that will not even meet our need rather than give it away to God who wants to show you that he's Jehovah Jireh. Isn't it amazing how that happens? You know, Mary's gift, Mary gave 300 denarii. 
That is a year's wage. One denarii was a day's wage, almost a year's wage. And she did this. We know later because she was preparing him. She didn't know that he was going to die. She was doing it to prepare him for the burial. And so she did this. She broke it and gave it all and poured it out for without hesitation. She did that. Why? Because she loved Jesus. Why did she do it? Because she loved Jesus and she was grateful. How does God view our money? How do, could, you give, could you give so much it would impress the one that owns everything? Could you give so much that it would impress? You ever heard this story of the guy who somehow got into heaven with suitcases? And in the suitcases, he had bars of gold. And so he gets into heaven somehow, and, he gives, and, and Peter comes over to him and says, Hey, where are those suitcases from? I, I haven't seen them up here. I know. Somehow I died, and I was able to bring them up here, and they got gold in them. And so he opens those, shows gold, and Peter looked at it, and he's a little, like, Why do you have paving material in, in there? Listen, 1,380 miles long, the, the, the 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem, and each foundation is made of precious stones. It is 1,380 miles long, 1,380 miles wide, and 1,380 miles high. The gates are made of pearl. Do you really think God views money the way you do? God, you, you got to get this. God does not view your finances, your money, as something that provides for you. He's like, I'm your provider. Your focus is on that stuff, but look up here. Look to me. Look to me. Look to me, your provider. Look at me. I'm your provider. That's just, in heaven, that's just paving material. That's building materials, which is actually gold right now on earth. <laughs> so could you give something to God to impress him? Could you give something to God? 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, they first gave themselves. It's not the amount, it's the attitude about giving in your heart because where your treasure is, don't tell me, don't tell me that God has your heart if he doesn't have your treasure. You, you, you're lying to yourself if you really think God has your heart and he doesn't have your treasure. There are three levels of giving, and I'm going to just quickly go through this, but there's tithe, where we bring God what's his. That's the 10% we tithe. Then there are offerings, and that's what you did the, a few weeks ago when you gave to Convoy of Hope. Do you know that, that uh, a number of people, there's, there's some uh, almost 80% of people that don't tithe. Christians do not tie. They don't even get past the first level. The offering is what we give to those things we hear God speak to us. And then there's a third one, and it's called the extravagant offering. And those are the ones that are... There's a guy in Michigan, he's a businessman, friend of ours for years. I mean, he's very close to us, comes to all the weddings, all that stuff. And, and we were talking about this, and he goes, yeah, you know what that extravagant offering is? That's the one that leaves a mark. That's the one, that's the offering that hurts. It causes you to have to change your lifestyle where you just say, okay, God, I'm gonna give so much that you're gonna have to do something radical in my life. There is a guy in Richfield who did this. He, he gave an offering to missions, which by the way, we just found out we're number 50 in the nation in missions giving out of 13,000 churches in 2021. Just just happened this last week they found out number 50 exactly 
And he gave so much. And this guy's he'll be there in the third service today. He gave so much mission, he came up to me and goes, Pastor, I'm a little scared with the commitment I made to missions. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, we're going to have to really adjust our lifestyle. He got three increases. His complete salary doubled. $80,000 doubled. He sits there and says, what they're paying me, I'm not worth it. That's what he told me. He says, I, got, I sit there and I go, I wake, make way more money than I'm worth. Why? Because God could trust him. You know what? His lifestyle didn't change all that much to the negative. But he said, I'm just going to give more. Because that's his heart. There is a guy that Robert Morris talks about. If you know Robert Morris, pastor at Gateway Church, he talks uh, in his book about the story. I love the story in his book, so I put it in here. It's with Steve and Melody Nolan. Uh, they would give. They were big tithers, and God had blessed them. But one day, they paid off all of their debts, and so they, uh, he decided he was going to uh, add up everything that he had in his account. So he adds up everything he has in his accounts. He gets the number, and he's like, wow, thank you, God, for blessing me. Then he goes to bed. The next morning, he gets up, and in his prayer time, the Lord says to him, hey, uh, Steve, uh, saw that you're adding up your account. How much money do you have? He says, oh, no, I probably shouldn't have done that. And he says, just tell me how much money you have. And he told them, and, and the Lord says to him, will you give it to me? Will you give it to me? He said the first thought he had was fear, but the first attitude he got was obedience. He said, yes, Lord, I'll give it to you. Now, what would motivate a man to empty all of his accounts and give it to the Lord? But the voice of God the voice of God asked them and the gratitude of his heart for the Lord, his love for the Lord. He did. So they emptied it all, gave it all away. True story. You're looking at me like I'm making, this is a true story. That's why I gave you the name. One year later, he's sitting in his prayer time and the Lord said, hey Steve, how much money do you have? He says, oh Lord, I don't know. I am never doing that again. Not, not ever counting it up. I have no. He says, "Why don't you count?" He says, "No, Lord, I'm not counting. I'm, I'm not doing that." He says, "Steve, I want you to count. Just impresses that he needs to do it, so he does it. What he discovers is he has the exact amount of money that he had that he gave away a year before. And the Lord speaks to him and says, "This I can do more in 12 months than you can do in 12 years because it's building material. It's just." That's all it is. It's not, something, it's not something that we put our trust in. Did you hear that? It's not something you're putting your trust in. So the reward of generosity in Mark 14, 9 says, Surely I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what the, this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. That woman that gave the two mites would be preached in all the world. Generosity comes from gratitude when we're just grateful. Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've done. She was grateful. Generosity is when you give expecting nothing in return. It's not like Christmas presents. You know, when you give one present, you expect one back. Sometimes we do with the God. Oh, I gave God, now I'm ready for the blessing. I'm ready for the blessing. The blessing is different than the reward. Everyone, the blessing is different than the reward. Okay, I'll explain this in a moment. Selfishness is when you give and think that God owes you something. 
It's like I gave, now I, I expect something in return. I want something back. <clears throat> here's, here's the reward. God wants to give us a great reward. And the true reward is true believers, people. He wants us to have the reward of people, but the true reward of the believer is God, is God. So if you haven't been listening or you just didn't want to listen or you put in earplugs for this last few uh, minutes of the message, I want you to hear this. Abraham is, is going through life and he's gone to the promised land and he's, he's now standing before God. And in Genesis, go to Genesis, um, he comes to this place and God says, Abraham, I got something for you. I'm so excited, Abraham. Yeah, you got to understand God loves to bless his children. Right? God loves it. He goes, Abraham, I got something for you. And Abraham says, what is it, God? Look, look at this. After these things, in the, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Hello. Here I am. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Here I am, Abraham. And Abraham looks at him and says, really, God? He's like a teenager. That's funny. That is funny, right? That's all you got me? Are you seeing this? He says, Abraham, I'm your shield. I'm your great reward. And you know what Abraham does? Look at how he responds. Look at how he responds. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Now you know what I mean by a teenager. Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is, is this guy from Damascus. Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house, there's no one there. God, I don't care about the reward. I want the blessing. God says, hello, Abraham. I'm your reward. Abraham says, I'd rather be blessed. Isn't that where we get? Like, like we give to the Lord because I want the reward. But there's so many Christians saying, I'd rather have the blessing. I want the blessing. And they're trading in something so incredible, so real, so life-changing, so powerful, so intimate. And the reward of God get something that's passing away are you hearing me this morning because no one's saying really amen and that's usually a good thing to say when you're like wow that's good that that really hit home because I'm really focused you know what Moses said God comes to Moses and said Moses listen I'll give you all of these blessings but I'm not going to show you my faith I'll give you all of this I'm going to give you all of my blessings I'm going to give you all of this but I'm not going to and Moses says listen Lord I have grown tired of your blessing. I want you. I'm tired of all the stuff that's passing away. I'm tired of all these things that people pursue. I want you. I want Jehovah. I don't want more money. I don't need more cars. I don't need all of that other stuff. I just want my Father my exceedingly great reward, my shield. 
I want the lover of my soul. I, all of the stuff I have, I'd give it all away to get you. I don't want the cheap blessing. And isn't it funny that the wealthier we've become, the more addicted to the blessing we've become, that we have ignored the reward, that our prayer meetings are just a couple of people, that we don't even stop to recognize the creator of the universe wants to be called our God. He wants to come in this place and he wants you to see his face because Jesus has opened a new and living way. We said, no, I need a blessing. I need a blessing. I need a blessing. It's your choice. It's your choice. Will you stand? Listen, church. Listen, beloved. Listen, bride of Christ. The only thing God doesn't have is your heart. It's the only thing you can give God is your heart. You have to make a choice. We have become drunk in our blessings that we're no longer grateful for them. That we sit there. Abraham couldn't even see how blessed he was because he just wanted another blessing. Have you noticed you get blessed and then you're always hungry for another blessing? That there's never enough blessing to satisfy you? It's because you're pursuing something that is the fruit that comes when we pursue the reward. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added on to you. Stop seeking the everything else and stop, start seeking the great reward. Will you do this? Because I, I don't care what you think you know. I care what the Holy Spirit knows. It's the only thing that will be real and true in your life. You think you know the answer of where you stand, but sometimes the Holy Spirit has to put his mirror right in front of you and say that this is where you're at so that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand. How many are saying, Holy Spirit, do that right now. Judge the attitude of my heart. Holy Spirit, right now, judge the attitude of our heart. Will you begin to ask the Lord in your own voice? I can't do this for you. You have to ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, come, judge the attitude of our heart right to its core, Lord God, I pray. Right to its core, right to its core, right to its core, Lord God. Yes.